Here we go for another edition of Paranormal Stretch. Now, this is not at all the regular stretch show because there hasn't been a stretch show for the last two days, uh, 4th of July weekend when I recorded this, and it's the first time I've had time to actually do anything outside of work and record a regular stretch show that runs at its regular time. So I am going to get into uh, Paranormal Stretch Part 2 And if you haven't listened to Paranormal Stretch Part 1, that is the origins of how I got into all of the ghost stuff and the paranormal and all of that, and my experiences living in a haunted house in Lyndhurst, New Jersey, back in 1991-92. So that was that. You know that story by now. And after that, I did not have any more paranormal experiences for a very long time. I continued working in radio for years and years. I was fascinated with paranormal after that. Like, that really piqued my interest, and I would always ask people about it. A very short time later, I I thought of this one the other day. So I came back from New York, and I was once again working at Power 106 in Los Angeles, and I was on the promotions team, not really doing much. My kid was just born, and here I am, you know, struggling. Promotions people do not make a lot of money in radio, so I was passing the time. I had been a DJ in New York, and I had worked on a morning show in New York. So then they put me on, uh, or actually they got rid of Jay Thomas at the time at Power, and they brought in... Uh, Frank Lozano, who had done afternoons and nights, and they put him in the morning. It wasn't going well. He asked me to come and produce it, so I came in and produced the Lozano show because I knew a lot about morning shows from my time in New York and at Pirate Radio with Scott Shannon. So uh, eventually they they take Frank out and they put the Baker Boys in and they leave me with them, and that ended up that show ended up going down in history. But there was a moment in time when they were taking me for massively for granted and paying me literally like nothing, nothing, like starvation wages because I wasn't ever really, I don't think they were using Frank for anything other than a filler spot. And then when the Baker Boys came in, they were already paying me nothing to help Frank because they didn't know what they were going to do. So then they go, oh, we'll just keep paying you the same. You stay on. Well, Uh, Frank then got mad when they took him off the morning show and he took a morning gig in San Francisco and uh, he called me and said, I know they're not paying you crap. Well, I'll get you paid. You want to come to San Francisco? So I'm like, cool, let's go. And I uh, backed up my stuff and my family and I moved to San Francisco and I was producing uh, Lozano up there at a station called Wild 107. Now, I was deep into my paranormal at that point in time and ended up I got to do a seance on Halloween night inside the Winchester Mystery House in the seance room with a psychic and Frank and myself and a couple of people from the station. It was so freaking cool, but nothing crazy happened. I didn't see anything. It was fun to do. Had a lot of psychic uh, stuff. I was really into the paranormal at that point in time. Uh, Funny story, though, while we were there, I had gotten my house And I was renting a house in San Jose and driving into uh, San Francisco every day. And then Lozano was looking and looking and looking and looking. He he had just gotten married or was about to get married. And he finally finds this house. It's on the peninsula. It's a beautiful house. And he's going to rent this house. So he takes me with him. I want you to see it. Tell me what you think. And so I go. I'm like, this is a great house. And we look at it, and then he is like being real wishy-washy on it, and he finally agrees he's gonna gonna take it, and he gets the deposit ready and everything, and I go with him to the meeting. And now remember, I'm a dude that just lived in a haunted house in New York, probably about a year and a half, two years before that, and I, it is fresh on my mind. So when we get into the house, we're in there with the real estate agent and the the uh, landlord's wife. And I say to her, is this house haunted? As uh, Frank is giving her the check. The lady stops. She gets this weird look on her face. And then she starts crying. And she's like, why would you ask that? Why would anyone ask that? 
And I'm like, because I lived in a haunted house. Is this house haunted? And now Frank Lozano is freaking out. He's like, wait a minute, this house is haunted? You didn't say that. I can't rent this house. And he'd already given her the check. Ended up being very funny because he pulled out of the deal. The lady was furious at me. And apparently the house was haunted, so he didn't move into it ever. And that was that. Now, for me myself, still no paranormal anything other than a a massive interest in it after the haunted house. So I go through. I work years and years more in radio. I'm still a ghost guy. Every time I tell anyone about it, uh, Jamie and Jack laughed at me, mocked me. Everyone mocks the believer of ghosts because they've never seen one. And I tell them. It's, you know, you don't believe in a ghost until you see one. And then you're like, oh, that's what that is. So that's what happened. And then I left radio completely and was trying to figure out something else to do. Didn't want to do it anymore. I was done with the corporate world of radio. And I went into rehab, drug and alcohol rehab. Now, I can tell you the first place I worked because it no longer exists. And it was called Promises in Malibu, the most famous celebrity rehab in the world. It was the first celebrity rehab in the world. And it was everybody went there. Everybody that was anybody celebrity-wise went to Promises for treatment. And a lot of rich people went to Promises for treatment. And it was there for a very long time. I came in. And by the time I got there, here's how rehabs work. Now, know this. I got in there. Oh, man. This was, I would say, around 2014, 2015 when I was working at Promises, maybe 2013. And it had been sold by the original owner. And it being the first celebrity rehab in the world. And then by the time I started working there at 2013, 2014, There were 42 rehab centers in Malibu, 42. So it was crazy. It became a thing. It became a huge business. And Malibu was just littered with rehabs, high-end rehabs. We're talking houses on the beach. Uh, Promises was up in the hills. But I worked there, never really had any gnarly experience there other than One of our houses, and Promises had four houses on one street. And what these rehabs would do, they would make so much money because Promises back in the day was charging $30,000 a month to go there. And insurance wasn't paying it. People paid cash to go there. And you could have up to about 15 patients at a time. And then you'd get some really VIP people and they'd want a house to themselves. And I bet you they were paying well over 100000 a month to be there. And that was uh, you know, going on. I had no weird experiences, though, in the houses that I worked in. There was one house, actually two more houses. They had five houses. And that was a women's only mental health facility. And it treated uh, women... Obviously, only all the staff were females. The only males that were allowed to even go near that property were myself because at the time I was a driver and I would take people to appointments and pick people up at the airport and bring them in. And I really rarely went in the house. I would go in the house, pick something up, bring it in, usually wait outside and show as much respect as I could to those clients. Uh, One of those houses was rumored to be haunted and had a lot of it was noise. It was kind of like the my house where the people walked up and down, the, where the guy walked up and down the stairs and over and over and over. And they would always say, man, there's someone upstairs. And I remember one day all of the clients were out on like a field trip they would do. And they had sent me over to the house to get something or to talk to one employee that was still there. And I went inside and I was calling the employee and then I heard them walk over my head. Boom, 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 boom. So I go, oh, they're upstairs. And I walked upstairs and they weren't there and I was calling for them and calling for them and they never answered me. And then I went back downstairs to these back bungalows where there were offices and they were in the office. So there was no one in the house. The house was empty. So that was the experience of the ghost at that place. Not a lot of terrifying stuff. But what I learned is as I worked in rehab and I worked at Promises for three years, that 
everyone in rehab had been to other rehabs or worked at other rehabs or what whatnot. And it seemed like everybody had a, like some ghost stories. It seemed like all the rehabs are haunted. Now, here, before I get into my great story of my next rehab job, which has got some doozies, I have a theory on it. I, I, If you watch the ghost shows or you're into the paranormal at all, you always have haunted hospitals. You always have haunted prisons. Anywhere there's a lot of really deep emotional activity going on tends to be haunted, tends to have some stuff there. You also have people that die, and people die in rehab way more than you know. Just about every single rehab has had either someone die in there from a medical emergency or someone die in there from suicide. You get a lot of suicides, and I know as a fact from being really into the paranormal that if you have suicides, you have ghosts. A lot of times earthbound spirits are from a suicide, and if you watch any good haunting or any good ghost show, you will hear Oh, yeah, there was a guy here that committed suicide or so-and-so committed suicide, and that is a lot of what that is, and that does happen in rehab. You get people that literally have feel they have no way out. They're up on charges or whatever. Their life's crumbling. Their husband or wife is leaving them while they're in rehab. They're losing their business. Everything's falling apart, and they will uh, take their own lives at times in rehabs. And then, like I said, there's people in there that die as well. So... Let's get from that thought to my next rehab job. I'm out at Promises, and I get rehired at another rehab, which I will not name. And here's why, and there's a lot to this. I really liked that place. I I like what they do. I, I understand rehab is very important. I also understand, and you've heard me say, if you don't make it work, it's not going to work. But it it can save the life of people that work really hard and really, really want it to work and really put the effort in. It can, and it's worth it for that. I also respect the hell out of the entire process, and I've never outed a client ever, and, and I'm not going to do that. And another thing, I can't say where that second rehab was, because, other than it was also in Malibu, where there's 42 rehabs. I'm fine saying that. But... I don't want to say because I wouldn't want to hurt their business, and I also don't want to get sued. I, and and here's one thing I learned. So I get to this new rehab, and it is really expensive, insanely expensive. And you were talking massive on a private beach in Malibu mansions. Like these houses are worth $20 million plus each and they have three of them side by side by side. They get money. They buy the house next door. They get more money. They buy the house next door. And this place is massive. It is a huge compound with private beaches right on the water in Malibu. And I also am confident saying that because Malibu is 27 miles of coast. There's a lot of beachfront property in Malibu, a lot of mansions on the water in Malibu. You're not going to know where it is by me saying that. Now, I'm in this rehab. I'm starting to work there. I'm now uh, switched over to client care. I am no longer driving people and running and picking people up and bringing them into rehab. I am literally working a shift, and I am dispensing medications, and I'm writing reports on people, and I'm watching everything that goes on, and I'm the caretaker of the people that live in the house that I work in. You're assigned each shift to a house, and I uh, did started doing the overnight shift, and overnight shifts are weird, and when... Uh, I got assigned to the first house. I'm in there working the overnights, and the cleaning crew would come in every morning somewhere around 6 a.m., between 5 and 6 a.m., and they were all these Latin ladies, and most of them spoke uh, fluent English and uh, and obviously Spanish, but a few of them did not speak English. And I, they would always come in, and I would talk to them, you know, what's going on, good morning, whatever, have coffee, and just shoot crap with them because all my clients would still be asleep or only one or two would be awake. 
and then I'm just kind of, you know, getting ready to get off. My shift's about to end. I would get off at 7 o'clock in the morning. They were in there, and uh, so be it. So I remember a couple of them. I became good friends with with one or two of them, and they would start started coming in, and as they got to know me, they'd say, hey, you see anything in here? And I'd be like, what are you talking about? And they'd be like, oh, nothing. And then finally, they start to say, this place is haunted. And it, out of that rehab, there was, once again, it was one house, and it was haunted as F. It's the most haunted place I've ever been in in my life. And, you know, I lived in that haunted house, but it had a ghost in it. I knew he was cool, and I would talk to him. But I get into rehab, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? Tell me the story. And this was my initiation to that place. And I hadn't worked yet in the haunted house. I hadn't worked my way up to that. The haunted house was the main house, massive mansion, and it had, I think, 12 bedrooms or something like that. Now, you can't have 12 people in a in a residential rehab facility. I think the maximum you could have in one house is six. So they had a lot of the rooms converted to offices or massage rooms or, or whatever they would do with them. And then the six bedrooms they would use for the clients. And that, that house also uh, doubled as not only rehab, but it doubled down as a mental health facility. So if you were dealing with a eating disorder or any type of something that could be not just addiction, but mental health, you would be in that house. And that that's how it broke down. And then there was another house that was just for alcoholics. And then another house that was kind of for people that were transitioning to either go back home or to live at a sober living or whatever. So that's what we had. And this is what one of the housekeepers told me. This is an amazing ghost story. And this was my introduction to that place, having not yet experienced anything myself because I hadn't yet worked in the haunted house, at least uh, not on an overnight shift yet. So this uh, housekeeper tells me, and this mansion has, it's a three-story mansion and it, the bottom, bottom, bottom is what you would consider to be a basement. But the way it was built, it was either like a mother-in-law quarters. A, it couldn't be maid's quarters because it was bigger than my home that I live in because it was a mansion. And it wasn't connected at all to the upper floors. So you had the house on the first and second floors. And then the bottom, bottom floor, which was the basement level, ground, ground level, was completely separate it had its own entrance in the back of the house but it also had i mean badass beautiful bathrooms and it was just like a, another home under a home is what it was and i'm assuming it was maids quarters or you know you could move your elderly parents in I, I i'm not sure it was weird that it wasn't connected to the house but whatever it's you know rich people stuff so I am told that there was a housekeeper, and this was literally not long before I started working there. It wasn't like this had happened years ago. And this lady did not speak English. She was in that uh, area, and at this rehab, they used that basement level as offices. So no clients were ever down there unless they were going down there to visit a therapist who was in one of the bedrooms set up as an office or one of the – and the whole thing was converted over to all the rooms were offices down there because there was no one living down there or ever staying down there. But they did have – imagine you're in this beautiful mansion, really nice bathrooms, and they were still in there, and they still had the showers and the tubs. They just didn't use them. So apparently this uh, – they all knew they were haunted. They all had their stories or whatever, but – this one was the lady was in the bathroom and she was cleaning and she's wiping down. There's no one down there. It's early in the morning. I told you they started at like five or six. It was still, you know, early, early in the morning. And she's cleaning away. And apparently she looks in the mirror and behind her in the bathtub, the bathtub is filled with a chopped up dead blood white girl like so take a white female chop her into pieces throw her into the bathtub and fill it up with blood that's what this housekeeper saw in the mirror as she's cleaning the mirror and the sink she 
turns around. There's nothing in the tub. She runs out of the house, freaked out, hysterically screaming. People have to come out and calm this lady down. And my understanding is she quits and is gone. That was the end of that. So the other housekeepers are all on notice because she they were the ones that got out there to calm her down because no, most people there didn't speak Spanish. And the housekeepers, m- many of them spoke English and Spanish. So this lady quits and she's done. She's gone. And that was like, all right, that's kind of crazy. And then I asked the lady that told me the story, one of my friends. I'm like, well, have you ever had anything down there? And she said something that I would later experience. She said, I've been down there cleaning before, and someone came up behind me and breathed on my neck. And she said, I felt the breath, and I heard the breath, and when I turned around, no one was there. And she said, and I ran out of there. So I'm like, okay. Now we flash forward to I'm now working in that house. And I am the overnight dude in that house, and that is the the uh, a high level job at that point. And you're responsible for a lot of people, uh, a lot of really rich people, a lot of really famous people, and you are making sure everything goes right. One of your jobs, because that is the house where the chefs are, because it has this humongous kitchen, and that's where they make all the food for all of the houses. So every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, everybody from all of the houses come over to this house and they eat in this house in these big formal dining rooms and the food's all prepared in there and that house is the central meeting area and like I said that's where a lot of the therapist offices are and things are for this particular rehab so the uh, coffee pot is in that kitchen the overnight person is responsible for making coffee I don't know if you know anything about rehab but addicts and People in rehab smoke a lot of cigarettes and drink an F ton of coffee. They drink more coffee than you can imagine. And you literally made this huge boiling pot of coffee every single day. And you had to start it at 5 a.m. Or Yeah, because it took so long to make. I, you might have started it at like 4 a.m. so that it was ready by 5 a.m. And you would fill this thing up and put just crap load of coffee in there, clean it out put it in, start brewing the coffee. Then by the time any clients got up, there was fresh coffee and it was this giant, giant industrial coffee pot. So I'm in there doing that. It was part of my job. And at at this point, I was at the sink and I was washing it out, getting ready to do it. And I will swear on my life, it was somewhere in the three o'clock hour in the morning. And as I am in the sink, sure enough, right behind me, I... Hear and feel (sighs) on my neck and my right ear. Someone breathed and I felt the breath on my neck. And I, I whipped around knowing it's a client that had snuck up behind me and there's no one there. And then, of course, what happens? Like I talked about in Paranormal Show 1, your brain goes into rationalize mode. Well, I'm like, somebody snuck up, breathed on me, and then ran out of this room. And I, by the time I whipped around, I didn't see him. So what do I do? Room check. I go every pop-up and every door check, every client, everyone's asleep in their bed, and no one's in the house. I look around, and I'm freaked. And so then I remember what the uh, housekeeper had told me, and that's exactly what had happened to her. So that was my first experience in that house. Well, then as I got more and more comfortable on that shift in that slot, I am sitting in there and I started, remember, I'm a paranormal dude. I've now had a paranormal experience in this house and I ask everyone I can, hey, you have a ghost story here? Hey, do you have a ghost story here? Now, my boss catches wind of this and they're like, you do not talk about that. This house is not haunted. It is not okay. No clients can think about it. You're paying Lots and lots and lots of money to go there for help. If word got out that this place was haunted and there were ghosts in it, it would probably affect your business. So we don't talk about it. But yet all the employees that work overnights will say, hey, have you had anything like happen here? And here is one story. We damn sure are not allowed to speak about it to clients. That is forbidden. You are not allowed to bring up any type of ghost thing. And here is... A fun story. I will get into some more of my experiences a- as I go on, but that house was the only house I ever worked at in any rehab that had security cameras. Now, because of HIPAA laws, you can't put cameras anywhere there are clients, so there were very few 
areas you could have the camera. There was a, like a rec room that they kept a camera in so th- because clients would go down there at night. People would go down there at night and bang in this room is what would happen. So they wanted to keep an eye on that room. No one slept in there. It wasn't anyone's area. It was a communal area, and there was a camera down there, and there at my desk there was a uh, monitor, and I had security cameras all over that house. That's where all of those amazing ghost videos that I have have come from. They've all come from me watching those cameras or sitting at my desk writing a report or doing something and then out of the corner of my eye seeing something move and then seeing some bright-ass orb go flying by the camera, and I saw crazy, crazy stuff in there. But one night I'm sitting at my desk. I'm keeping an eye on the cameras. It was fun to watch the cameras because I, I can tell you this. You see ghost hunting shows and ghost things. They sometimes do – they make stuff up, you could tell, because nothing's happening in that house. There's nothing going on. And I lived in a haunted house and probably had, you know, I lived in it for a little over a year and probably had 25 solid ghost encounters that I can equate to that to that haunting of that house. Well, that's 365 days in the year. That's not that many. There was a lot of just normal days in that house where nothing happened. In this rehab house, I never – went a shift without 10 things happening, at least 10 things happening. And what's weird is I never saw an apparition, like the apparition I saw in my haunted house in New Jersey where a dude walked. You know what? I'm going to back that up. I'm going to retract that statement. I did see something one night, and and I will get into that story in a moment. But I want to tell you a sad story. One night I'm sitting in 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 my desk. A client comes walking out of a room. And it's a, a young girl in her 20s, sweet girl. And, and you really get to be friends with these people. They're going through a traumatic experience. They need someone to talk to. And they'll come out and just sit at your desk and talk to you. Or they can't sleep or whatever's going on or just to pass the time. They'll ask you to go outside and sit with them while they're smoking cigarettes and just talk to you. And, and you get to be pretty close with a lot of these people. I like this girl a lot and, and was friends with her. And she comes to my desk, and she's like, can I ask you something? And I'm like, yeah, sure, like anything. What what do you need? And she said, is this house haunted? Now, remember, I will lose my job if I say yes. So I say, "Uh, no, why would you say that? And she said, "I, I know I'm not crazy, and I know I'm in rehab, and I know I'm a drug addict. And she goes, but I woke up in my room and there was a girl and she describes this girl as a white girl with brown hair young she said and she's going through my suitcase and she said I looked at her and said hey what are you doing and she turned around and smiled and then disappeared and I said and this killed this killed remember I'm a ghost guy This killed me. I wanted nothing more than to sit down and talk to this girl and be like, oh, my God, this place is haunted. There's a bunch of different spirits in here, and there's all kinds of crap happening. But I couldn't. So I hear a story, and I tell her, you're detoxing. I know you're detoxing, you know, and and I don't know what all medications uh, uh, you were taking at that time or during your detox. But, you know, you probably just thought you saw something or it was a dream. Don't worry about it. And she's like, okay, good. And then what's funny is she came back to me a couple weeks later and said, uh, I know you're lying to me because I saw that girl outside smoking a cigarette down by the ba- by the basement. Remember the basement where the dismembered girl was seen in the bathtub by the housekeeper who ran screaming from the property and quit. And she said she was down there smoking a cigarette and I, and I walked up and she disappeared again. And she said, and I'm not detoxing anymore. I know what I saw. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I haven't heard anything, so I, I just kind of blow it off and move on. And, and I'm not allowed to discuss it. And, and none of us are. We would all talk about it with each other when something would happen. There was one housekeeper that came to me. She walked in the door every day. She came to me and said, what happened last night? And I would tell her this, 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 this. And, and I'm not kidding. I would be in that kitchen making coffee, and there would be voices in the next room. But remember, you're, you're in a house with at least six people minimum at night and and so i'm like oh man there's a couple clients up but why are they in the formal dining room that's weird there's like a 
area in the kitchen that had a little table that most people would go to if they got out in the middle of the night for a snack or something. And sure enough, I go down there and there's no one there. There's no one in that room. There's nothing happening. One night in the middle of the night, there was a huge, uh, beautiful grand piano in one of the rooms downstairs and the piano played. So I'm like, what the hell? Someone's going to wake up the whole house. So I run downstairs. No one's down there. No one's in the house. Everyone's in bed. And there was that. But I knew at this I knew it was a ghost. I, I was fully aware there were ghosts in this house. Now, there was a, another night. Now, let me back up to where I told you I never saw a ghost in this house. At, at this house at Christmas time, it is a house with 30, 40 foot ceilings, whatever it was, this giant mansion. And they would get this badass, humongous Christmas tree that went all the way up to the roof and they would decorate it. And it was so cool. And on overnights, when I would get done with my stuff, I would go and sit down there in the chair right in front of the Christmas tree and just watch the Christmas. I love Christmas. I love the lights, love the decorations. And I would sit down there with the Christmas tree on and just chill down there. And then I would hear if somebody needed me, they would, you know, I would hear a door open, anything, and I'd go take care of my client. Well, I'm literally sitting there for like an hour. I've got nothing going on. And I started to nod off. And I will never forget, I, I caught myself like falling asleep. And typically, if you're working overnights, when you start to feel yourself nodding off, you get up and start walking around, and, and that's what will wake you up. But I'm, I'm starting to nod off, and then there is a girl with brown hair standing right in front of the Christmas tree looking at me with this big smile on her face. And i like, oh, my God, a client's like uh, – so then I, I – I had nodded off, but I know that was the girl. I know that was the girl, but it, it came to me in, it would have to be, I had to fall asleep. It was a dream state at, at that point when I saw that that spirit. Uh, there was a master bedroom in this house, and I'm talking a mass. just the bedroom was bigger than any one or two bedroom apartment I've ever been in in my life. Just Just the master bedroom of that home. And people paid a premium to have that bedroom. And stuff would happen all the time where either the housekeepers would walk in there and then they would come out to the to the desk where, where our, the staff were and they would be like, who's it? I thought you said no one was in there because they would come and say, hey, can I go in room one or two or room three and clean? And you'd say, yeah, they're in, uh, you look at the chart, yeah, they're in therapy right now, you can go in there. So, uh housekeeper goes in to clean the main master bedroom and there was a lot of stories out of that master bedroom and she walked in and a lady yelled at her get out of here and she ran out and came back to the desk and was pissed like you told me I could go in there and we're like there's no one in there yes there is they told me to get out of here and went in the room with her and there was no one in there she goes that lady yelled at me and told me to get out of here and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. No one's in the room. We walk to the room. We check the closets. We go to the bathroom. Every There's nothing. There's no one in there. Stuff like that would happen all the time. One housekeeper walked in one day, and then not only did it say to get out, it shoved the door and hit her with the door, like tried to close the door on her. And she went and said, hey, uh, whoever's in the room uh, tried to close the door on me and told me to get out, and we went in, and there was no one in the room. And, and that happened, uh, like voices, a lot of voices. One night... I'm in the house, and for whatever reason, at that time, every client in that house was female. So it was me and six women in that house on that night. And I'm sitting there, and sure enough, we get into about 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm at my desk, and I hear a man, a grown man, scream to the top of his lungs as if he is being killed. And he is screaming, help me, help me. And I mean screaming. I shoot out of my chair. I run, and it's coming from downstairs, which is weird because all the bedrooms are on, on the upstairs. I shoot out of, out, of my, out, of, out of my chair and I run and immediately, okay, who's yelling? Who is it? And what's weird is I knew they were only women in that house at that time, but I'm now like, Someone's screaming for help. What's going on? I bed check every bed. One, two, three, four, five, six, down the, all the way to the top floor. Pop, 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 pop. Everyone's asleep. 
No one is moving, nothing. So then I'm like, all right, it must be a client came in and got into maybe that room where the camera is or something. And I'm look, but I would have saw him on camera. I'm sweeping that house. There's no one in the kitchen. There's nothing. Then I go into okay. Uh, Pacific Coast Highway is up the hill. There could have been, there must have been a horrible accident. Someone, and I call all of the other houses because each house has a person has my job in in every home. And they're like, no, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, will you meet me outside? I think maybe someone's been hurt in an accident. I went outside, walked up all the way up to uh, Pacific Coast Highway. Nothing, nothing. Looked around, nothing. Never found anything for that noise. And that was blood-curdling screams of a man. And that was just a disembodied voice. And I have no idea what that was. It was never answered. I even wrote it in my report that night. And it was funny. Anything like that you would write, they knew what it was, but no one would address it. They would just be like, oh, and I'd be like, I heard, because the last thing I needed is a client to, you know, find a dead client in the yard the next day from one of the other houses, and they were screaming for help, and and I didn't help them. And I had to say I went out and patrolled and did this and this and this and checked everywhere. But that one never happened. Uh, One of the funny ones that happened to me in that house is when there was no one in a room the housekeeping would come in and fully clean that room and make the, make everything up, and then they would take the trash can from the room, you know, like a little office trash can, and they would put it in the door so the door is propped open. That was the cue to everyone, this room is clean and ready for the next client, and don't mess with it. So one night I'm doing my rounds, and you had to walk and at least put your ear up to the door to listen for people, and a lot of times you had to open the door and pop your head in and just look and make sure someone's sleeping. Some people, depending on what was going on or if they were detoxing, you would have to sit in there with them and and literally uh, do what they call breath check to make sure they're breathing, And, and those would have to go down like every 15 minutes at times. But on this particular night, it was just room checks and making sure everyone's in their bed because people would sneak out windows and run away and take off and... It's crazy. Plus, people, like I said, try to kill themselves, and you've, you're responsible for each one of those people every minute of your shift. So I'm doing my rounds, and I'm walking around, and as I pass a room, I, I so I go to the first room. When I get to the second room, it has the trash can in the doors. There's no client in that room, so I'm walking by, and as I walk by, I clearly hear boom. And someone kicked the trash can, and the trash can flew out of the door right in the front of me, and then the bedroom door slammed shut so hard. And the trash can rolled down the hall. Boom, 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 boom. I immediately went, holy crap, there's a client in there. What are they doing? It's very late. And I opened the door, and voila, there's no one in that room. That that room was completely empty. No one was in there took the trash can back, put it in the door, and I know it was just effing with me at that point, and it was just like having a a, a good time with me. But I had that experience. I had the voices experience. I had a thing breathe on me. Another funny one I had is I got to the point where I literally decided, you know what, there's activity in this house every single night. I see something on the cameras I or lots of orbs. And I was a big naysayer on orbs, you know, it's a bug, it's this, it's that. No, I have glowing, pulsating orbs just coming across a room. I have a video of that one room where the cameras were of an orb pulsing, coming across, starts at the back of the room and starts coming towards the camera. And as it gets halfway across the room, a light in the bathroom, which is attached to it, turns on and you can see the light on the wall and there was no one in the house. And I ran downstairs and there was nothing there. But I've got so many great videos of orbs and then weird uh, one I put on our um, was it our Instagram yesterday when I talked about uh, uh, paranormal stretch one. I that one of those is from that rehab and you can't really tell it's a zoom in one. So I can't really get outed for where it is. And I'm not really supposed to have those videos because they're not supposed to be videos there. There's a lot of sticky stuff and I don't want to run it run afoul of these people and that business, but there were so many different ghost stories from these freaking rehabs. Now, here's another thing about that house. That house in particular was owned by a very, very famous couple. The husband and the wife were both famous, and they lived in that house because 
I did a deep dive. I literally uh, ordered a service. There's a service that you can get, and God, if I'd have done some better show prep on this before I got on here and just started ranting about paranormal, I could have told you what it was. But it's a service, and you can check any address anywhere, and it will tell you if someone has died in that house. And as I did a deep dive on that address, I found the celebrity couple that lived there before it was a rehab. And I, to this day, I really, really want to interview one of those, the husband or the wife, and I want to ask them, was that house that haunted when you were there? Or is it something I believe, and I said at the start of the podcast here, that a lot of that really dark negative energy is brought in by the people in rehab. It's And that, it brings, and I think that brings dark energy with it. I really do. I took a video, one of the videos, I literally, it is as if someone has on, you know a bubble machine? Imagine a bubble machine on, but it's orbs and blobs just coming out of the walls. Just, woof, woof. It, it was 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, just nonstop, just nonstop orbs. And I showed that video to a psychic friend who said, oh, that's a, a there's a portal there. That house has a portal in it. And, and that's what it is. And that portal's in that room where that camera is. And, and like I said, there was never a night I didn't have at least 10 things happen, mostly on that camera in that room. And, and one night I saw a person partially materialize and literally walk out of the room and and the camera was trying to focus on it and it was a digital distortion and you could clearly see like an upper body i got two partial upper body uh, of a person starting to materialize as it's uh, walking through the room i've got two of those i've got a million orb videos i've got weird little blobs there's blobs that would come out of the floor out of the wall and they literally looked like a foot tall michelin man that's what they looked like. And I would call it, oh, the Michelin man is back. And he was like this pudgy little thing, and you could see its arms and legs swinging as he walked. And he would come out of the wall, walk across the room, and go into another wall or into the floor and just vanish or float up out of, out of, the, out of the space. I, I, I don't know what any of that stuff was. It, it made absolute zero sense. But at that point, I was firmly believing in in ghost. I had already had my ghost experience earlier. I was trying to understand, you know, what it was, tried to rationalize everything that I could, but it, it was unexplainable the stuff going on in that house. There was so much and every employee had something happen. But uh one night as I was doing what what I would just start doing, I considered it to be a paranormal investigation the entire time I worked there. And I worked there for a couple of years. And I took a like a a, 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 a freaking RF meter. Well, so basically detects magnetic stuff, and it'll let you know it typically if there's a ghost in the room, and it'll beep 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 beep, beep or the lights will come on or whatever. All right, well, I had one on, and, and the way this one worked, it would just go beep 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 beep, and that's all it would do. If nothing was around, that would tell you that there was no spike in magnetic energy. There was nothing around this thing. And if you walked up to the light switch and touched it to the light switch, it would beep, 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 beep. It would start going up. If something crazy got really near it, it would, dee -dee 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 -dee. it would really, really go. So I have it on and I didn't want anything sneaking up on me again in that kitchen. I was making the coffee and I literally set the thing on the counter behind me. And then I turned around and started making the coffee. And sure enough, as I'm making the coffee, I hear beep, 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 beep. And I say out loud, I know you're behind me right now. That machine is telling me that you're here. So don't try to, you know, blow on my neck again. And all of a sudden it goes, so it's now going, and as I'm talking to it, it's going beep, 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 beep. And then when I get done talking, it goes beep, 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 beep. It just left. The ghost left. It it literally was going to try to F with me and scare me. And it literally just said, ah, F it. He knows I'm here. And it rolled out. That Funny. It did stuff like that. One night, two, it ripped up 
there was a picture in the hallway, like, I'd say like a four foot by four. I don't remember if it was a mirror or a photo, but it just lifted up off the wall and smashed into a million pieces in the floor. I, something, God knows how much something like that costs, too. But there were so many different experiences in in those houses. And I have so many videos that I can't share. I wish I could share. But I, I firmly believe that the energies that are brought into rehab, the negative energy, the people that are down and out, it's much like a prison or like an insane asylum or stuff like that where you're dealing with, with tortured people who have, have a tortured spirit that brings some dark energy to the place. And, and I would love to talk to those two celebrities, which I can't say who they are because then you'd know where it is and what's going on now. And I, I'm like I said, I'm not going to do that. But it it would it would answer that question. I would, if, it, if they were like, no, that house wasn't haunted because that house is haunted as F. I mean haunted, haunted, haunted as F. The I probably had, in the time I worked there... I had more than a hundred different things that all to me were uh, paranormal. I have one, which is probably the best video I have from that house. And it's not from the room with the typical room where the camera was. I was sitting in my desk and the room next to me, right next to me, there was a door about four feet from my desk that went into a bedroom. And that bedroom was empty. There was no one in that bedroom on this night. And I'm looking at the camera and that that uh, bedroom also had a door that opened up to the outside. And that this house had a balcony that ran the entire length of the outside, this big balcony. And, and remember, we're on the top floor, which is three stories up on this house. And it had a, a balcony that went all the way out. It had, didn't have stairs going down or anything like that. And the back of this house faced the Pacific Ocean, but not only the Pacific Ocean, on top of about a 200-foot cliff, there was a cliff that went straight down at the edge of the property, and there were stairs that you could get down to to get to the private beach, but that was way down a cliff. And so there wasn't like if there was a fishing boat out there that they could shine a light in the window, it, just for tale of, of this story. So I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm just happened to be looking at the camera and, and I'm looking at the camera because there's a weird digital distortion I had never seen on the camera. And I have this video to this day and there's static and digital distortion that catches my eye. And then as I look at it, the bedroom door from that bedroom out onto that balcony, which is outside, opens. It just opens like someone grabbed it and pushed it open and then more digital distortion, and then it closes partway, and then it stops, and then it opens again, and then it closes, and it closes, closes this time. And about that time, I'm like, what in the hell is going on with that door? A light, it looks like, if you're looking at the video, I've had people say, that's, some, that's a boat outside, or that's a car headlights, but there's no car possible that could shine headlights on there. There's no boat that could shine headlights on there. It's pitch black in that backyard because I don't know if you know how dark the ocean is at night. It's black. And there is a light inside that room, and that entire room lights up, but the light is moving. The light moves around inside this room and lights up to where I've had people look at it and be, well, those are headlights. And I'm like, I can see you thinking that, but there's no possible way they're headlights for the location of the room. And on the side of the house, there's no way to get a car back there. It's at the back facing the ocean. And for me to look at that video and, and I hear all the naysayers and all the people say, well, it's this, it's that, the wind blew and da, da, da. But I was sitting there. There was no wind. There was no nothing that night. There was no lights in the back. There was nothing moving around. There was no one in that room. Could have also been someone in that room with like a flashlight shining it around. But it wasn't. The room was empty. I went in there and investigated, and I had that video. And to me, that will always be my most compelling piece of evidence of anything paranormal that I have caught myself because... I know what's I know it's real 100%. And yet I could show it to you and you could be like it's a light, it's this, you did that and I I'll accept that. I could totally take it and and I'm not asking you to believe in anything you don't want to believe in. I just know what happened that night, what I saw that night, what I experienced that night and what it wasn't because of the situation that I that it was. So there was a lot of activity there. 
There were uh, client deaths there. Clients had died there. There's so much stuff. And I wonder how many spirits were truly in that room. And if what the psychic said to me was a portal, it's, it's, remember, that's when I had the witch and the ghost in the box. There's a lot there, but there was definitely some dark energy in that house. And I haven't talked to anyone in a while there because I've been gone now for quite some time. But man, I look back on that. And that was a haunted, haunted, haunted experience. And every time I would talk to a, a coworker, I'd, I'd always ask about what's going on with the ghosts, and they would have another story or two. And there is a million there. And the more I know about rehabs, the more I can tell you they're all haunted. They've all got some spirit energy or something or some poltergeist activity. There is something going on in rehabs. And I'd love to see one of the ghost shows really take a deep dive. Problem is, you're not going to find a rehab that's going to allow it because it's bad for business. Because do you want to be in there uh, detoxing and freaking out and having the worst time of your life and a ghost walk in your room? No, you don't. So that's why probably hasn't happened yet. But I can tell you, rehabs are haunted. They're all haunted. Every one that I know of has some type of spirit energy in it to to some degree, but that one in particular had more than its fair share, and it was all centered around that one house, and it was absolutely nuts. So that is my uh, Paranormal Stretch Part 2. Paranormal Stretch Part 3 will be stories of the university that I just stopped working at, and I am now back to my uh, job before that where I am the head of security, and nothing there. There's never been any ghost activity there. And I like it that way. It's nice and peaceful. And I'm also not there in overnights. I'm there, you know, I'm a, a nine to fiver basically on on that job. So uh, it makes life a lot better. I am uh, going to pack it up and wrap up this episode of Paranormal Stretch Part 2. And when I can, I will get uh, Paranormal Stretch Part 3 up and at them. But uh, I banged out two and I'm happy I got that done. First time I've had a break in a very long time. And here I am doing what I love, uh, being an idiot on the uh, radio, but I'm not doing this one on the radio. It's on the podcast and posting stuff. So hopefully you like it. You can leave a comment. You can reach out to me or anything, anytime. Uh, Appreciate you guys for checking the show out. I am stretched. This is the big 49 and uh, that's Tomorrow, you'll get the regular Stretch Show podcast back talking about motocross and dumb stuff that I do and the 4th of July recap, and we will not have another paranormal podcast for a while. But thanks for listening, and I will talk to you later.